WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know. With Joe Nolan, traffic, Justin Ellick, sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, December 7th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy day on the way. The high going to be just 41. Tonight, overnight, some clouds, they hang around. Low 36. And then Friday, a mix of sun and clouds. A little warmer. High 49. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 28 and clear in New Square. Up in Rockland County, 29 and clear in Pennington down in New Jersey. And it is 31 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up. 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Yankee fans uh, rejoicing this morning, hoping Juan Soto will fit the bill and bring the Yankees back to the promised land. Uh, the offense of the Yankees was one of the worst in Major League Baseball last year. So now they're adding one of the greatest hitters with this trade. They land Soto from the Padres in this blockbuster move at the winter meetings just as they wrapped up. Yankee fans outside Yankee Stadium last night pretty excited that Juan Soto is coming here. He's about a good guy. A good addition for the Yankees lineup. That's because they didn't make the playoffs this year. So I'd like to see them make the playoffs at the very least. All right, so we'll see if that makes a difference. Along with uh, superstar slugger, the Yankees will receive uh, outfielder Trent Grisham in exchange for Michael King, uh, Drew Thorpe, Randy Vasquez. The trade became official late last night. Brings a much-needed splash for the Yankees who are coming off a season that general manager Brian Cashman labeled a disaster. Those are his words. Uh, it led also to Hal Steinbrenner pledging big-time changes, and so this is a big-time change. Uh, Andy Martino, he is from MLB Insider. He's a reporter for them. He says this trade is a trade that will help the Yankees win. And there really isn't a better conversation changer in baseball than Juan Soto. Charismatic, home run hitter, really just the kind of star player who seems almost designed in a lab to help the Yankees with what ails them both on the field and with fan morality. Yeah, it'll be fun to have them in New York. No two ways about it. The Padres needed to slash payroll, so we get them. Justin Ellick going to have more details on this big trade coming up in just and a few Chris moments. Russo. And who? 740, Christopher Russo. Christopher Russo at 740 this morning on Sid and Friends in the morning. We'll have a lot more, I'm sure, to say about this as well. But I'm more interested in what Justin Ellick has to say. New York City. Recorded its first pediatric flu death of the season. A second child upstate Erie County also has died from the flu this season. New York City health officials issuing this mandate yesterday for health care workers. This new declaration requires all health care workers across the city who are not vaccinated for the flu to wear a mask in certain health care settings. Governor Hochul says uh, this flu death upstate and the one here in the city with kids is a good reminder for New Yorkers to get a flu shot. The number of flu cases in the state of New York that would now define as, as prevalent in the state. That's a new category. Flu is prevalent here in New York. Hochul says flu cases up 25% over one week ago. Hospitalizations are up some 30%. Uh, 
horrendous shooting out in Vegas yesterday. This whole story breaking in the afternoon, our time. University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, now they tell us the gunman, this according to sources in Nevada, saying the gunman who shot and killed three people was a professor who had failed to secure a job uh, at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They're identifying him as Anthony Polito, a 67-year-old who had applied to a professor position at UNLV before he unleashed this deadly rampage on the campus just before noon their time yesterday. They say they had a handgun during this massacre. The shooting started about 11.45. It was the fourth floor of the business school where he started to shoot away. Police uh, found three dead when they arrived at the building. Uh, Governor Joe Lombardo said first responders took down this professor before he could do more damage. I had no doubt that the response would be appropriate. It would be swift. It would be quick to the satisfaction of all the naysayers that we normally experience during critical incidents. Yeah, the whole process, of course, frightening for everybody on campus, students relaying what they saw and heard. We were giving our presentations, and then one of the uh, instructors in charge so there was an active shooter, and people really didn't know what to respond. They didn't know if it was like a drill. Yeah, you can imagine how frightening that moment was. I actually got out. I was able to run to the Cottage Grove parking lot and uh, get off campus. Yeah, lots of students saying that's what they did. They just raced as far away as they could from the gunfire. We found out cops were on site, and we just sheltered in place until we were evacuated, and it took about maybe 30 minutes to get us evacuated. And you can imagine for the parents of these kids worried about, uh, is it their loved one who's near this gunman? Our greatest fear now. We can't even send our kids to school without worrying if something like this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. Another mass shooting. There. Uh, we have a record number, by the way, already so far this year. This is the latest one. Again, the police or a police source anyway in Las Vegas saying that the gunman in this case is a guy who wanted to be a professor at UNLV and was not offered a job. 506, uh, the debate last night. Did you watch any of this? This was the last debate of the Republican White House wannabes before the primary season begins. Uh, Donald Trump skipped it again. Uh, of course, he's way ahead in the polls. Obviously, he sees no need to be on this stage. Uh, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley was there, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, or I should say those are all uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, let's see, was there any great moments? Uh, there was a lot of back and forth, everybody going after Nikki Haley. They now see her as the second place person after Donald Trump. Uh, here was DeSantis and Nikki Haley going at it over the don't say gay bill in Florida. He didn't respond to the criticism. It wasn't about the parents' rights and education bill. It was about prohibiting sex change operations on minors. They do puberty blockers. These are irreversible. Talk to Chloe Cole. She went through this. Now she's an adult. She's warning against it. She may never be able to have kids again. That is what Nikki Haley opposed. She said the law shouldn't get involved in that. And I just ask you, if you're somebody that's going to be the president of the United States and you can't stand up against child abuse, how are you going to be able to stand up for anything? That That is the truth. We have it it on video. I said that I said 
that if you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, you should have to be 18 to have anything done to change your gender. He said the gender. law should stay out of it. All right. WABC News Time 509. We were talking about this debate down in uh, Alabama last night on News Nation. The Republicans in the race for the White House, minus Donald Trump, who has not taken part in these debates. Um, the um, There wasn't any fantastic moments, but there were some interesting ones. One actually was... Who knew that Megyn Kelly was working for News Nation? Who's watching News Nation? That might be the first question. Uh, And more interesting, I'd love to see the numbers of who actually watched this debate last night. But uh, the parts that I saw, uh, I thought she did a good job questioning uh, some of the candidates. Here she was with Chris Christie last night. Governor Christie. Really? (laughs) Just that. Usually not somebody who gets missed, but okay. Governor Christie. Really? Just that I, I'm usually not somebody who gets missed, but okay, let's and go. what's happening? <laughs> okay, I got you. Listen, you endorsed Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. You gave him an A for his first term. Since then, however, you've turned on him, calling him a liar, a loser, a con man, and someone who cannot win. You've even said that you got into this race just to stop President Trump. His approval rating with Republicans is currently at 81%. Yours is at 25 Your best state is New Hampshire, and even there, two-thirds of GOP voters say they would be angry and disappointed if you won. Respectfully, Governor, you have not stopped, Mr. Trump, and voters may wonder how you could possibly become the nominee of a party that does not appear to like you very much. Yeah, well, look, Megan, um, it's often very difficult to be the only person on the stage who's telling the truth, and the only person who is taking on what needs to be taken on. I I look at my watch now. We're 17 minutes into this debate, and except for your little speech in the beginning, we've had these three acting as if the race is between the four of us. The fifth guy, who doesn't have the guts to show up and stand here, he's the one who, as you just put it, is way ahead in the polls. And yet I've got these three guys who are all seemingly to compete um, with, you know, Voldemort, he who shall not be named. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the, I'm looking. There's like 10 more bites. Here. I'm not going to bother. But you can watch the debate. It was on News Nation last night. No, uh, you know, moments where anybody hit it out of the ballpark, uh, though, uh, across the board, when I was reading stories about this this morning, lots of people thought Nikki Haley did a pretty good job last night. Down to D.C. at 512, Republicans in both chambers vowing not to support any new foreign aid package unless it's paired with measures to help deal with the surge of illegal immigration. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington says this is to address the flow of illicit drugs into his border state and just the flow of people. The number one job is to keep the American people safe, and they're not safe. Democrats, though, wary of the GOP's border plan, saying it'll make it harder for people to flee persecution, exercise the legal right to apply for asylum. It's because of the invasion of of the United States. Arrington says that aid to Israel is popular, so they're going to use this as leverage with illegal immigration. Using the power of the purse to make sure that first and foremost we deal with our southern border crisis. The White House, though, pushing back, accusing Republicans of holding Ukraine funding hostage over their demands for the U.S. border policy changes. If they don't get 100% of their extreme demands, they'll block critical border funding and kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield, damaging our national security. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says Republicans, both chambers, doubling down on this all-or-nothing approach on immigration. Instead of negotiating in good faith, as a group of Democrats and Republicans have been doing for some weeks now, they're doubling down on an all-or-nothing approach. 
Boy, uh, watching the this war, you know, of course, the Israel-Hamas war has become the story, and we've kind of ignored what's taking place in Ukraine. Four Russian soldiers now being charged with the war crimes against an American living in Ukraine during Russia's invasion of the country. The charges include conspiracy to commit war crimes, unlawful confinement, torture, and inhuman treatment. Attorney General Merrick Garland announcing these charges yesterday. Garland says the American victim was abducted from their home by three of those charged and was stripped naked, beaten. He says the victim was held as a prisoner for 10 days in a Russian military compound. We have charged four Russia-affiliated military personnel with war crimes against an American citizen living in Ukraine. And um, these charges aren't going to go much where, but uh, that was Garland yesterday. We allege that those defendants threw the victim to the ground while he was naked, tied his hands behind his back, pointed a gun at his head, and beat him. The case is the first time the U.S. government has used a years-old law meant to prosecute those who commit war crimes against Americans. The Israel-Hamas war, 61st day now in Jerusalem. NBC's Raf Sanchez says uh, the U.S. is warns of a bad situation in southern Gaza. Israeli military says senior Hamas leaders are hiding there. But it is also where hundreds of thousands of displaced Palestinian civilians are seeking shelter. Israel says its forces operating in the heart of southern Gaza's main cities believes Hamas leaders are being housed in that area. There are just desperate shortages of basic medical supplies, of food, even of flour just to bake bread. But Israel says it's going to continue on till it takes out those Hamas leaders. With the shortage of fuel and with the intense fighting, it's almost impossible to actually distribute that aid to people who need it. Yeah, so we're getting random numbers. 17,000 dead since the war started on uh, October 7th. Uh, the numbers from the U.S., uh, rather from the Israeli military, saying they've taken out over 5,000 members of Hamas, but there may be another 30,000 they want to take down. So this war likely going to drag on for a while. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Huge day for the Yankees. Justin Ellick has all the details. Yes, I do know him, Lennon, indeed. A uh, big day. We do begin with that huge news out of the world of baseball. And, of course, more specifically, the Bronx, where the Yanks have made their first big splash this offseason by trading for superstar outfielder Juan Soto. The Yanks also received outfielder Trent Grisham from the Padres as part of the seven-player deal. In exchange, San Diego received right-handers Michael King, Johnny Burrito, or Burrito, better known as, and Randy Vasquez, starting pitching prospect Drew Thorpe, and catcher Kyle Higashioka, I should say. This deal had been uh, highly speculated on for several weeks, Gnome, so it doesn't come as a huge surprise. The two sides had agreed on the players uh, in this deal as early as Tuesday night this week. But as is uh, usually the case with these blockbuster trades involving a lot of players, seven in this case, the logistics toward the back end of the deal turned out to be rather tedious. Nonetheless, the Bombers add a huge piece to what they hope is uh, ultimately a championship caliber roster come opening day. Might need to add a couple, uh, an arm or two in my most humble opinion. But we shall see as the 25-year-old Soto, he has already established himself as one of uh, this area's most gifted hitters. He's only 25, and it feels like he's been in the league now for uh, for a decade. He almost has. He broke in when he was uh, 18 years old, hitting home runs in the World Series with the uh, with the Nationals there. So Wait, so 
what's the deal? We only get him for one year? What's that all about? Yeah, so he's in the last year of his contract. Uh, it's an expensive one year, of course, um, with the contract that he signed with the Padres. But we're hoping, uh, and, uh, you know, I would imagine that this is kind of part of uh, why they brought him in. But, you know, the Yankees are going to have to spend all season trying to convince Soto to sign a long-term extension with them. Um, you know, somewhere in the range of, uh, of probably, I would imagine, he's 25, so 10 to 12 years. And then you make him a Yankee for life. But uh, you would have to do something substantial, of course, in the uh, in the postseason in order to do that. So that's why they're saying they're renting him for a year because his contract's out. And yes. then they'd have to renegotiate. E- exactly. This I exactly. You. But, okay. uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, if you're really, if you're an optimistic Yankees fan, you're thinking that they get that extension done before the season. But in my opinion, if I'm Soto, I'm waiting to see how we do this year. Of course. Because uh, I'm not going to re-sign with a team that's missing the playoffs two years in a row if that does end up being the case. For the Yankees, but with him in the lineup, you know things change. Of course, the outlook in the Bronx it changes, and the Yankees, I highly doubt, are done uh, with their work this off season. Move to the hardwood here quickly in Atlanta. The Nets just barely squeezed past the Hawks by a score of one fourteen to one thirteen last night. Macau Bridges' thirty-two point effort, including a step back jumper with four and a half seconds left, capped one of the most back and forth games we've seen out of Brooklyn all season, maybe. Ever There were 43 lead changes, the most since the NBA began tracking play-by-play in 96, along with 11 ties. Bridges game winner pushed the uh, Brooklyn Nets to their fifth win in six games. In hockey, no local action from last night, but the Islanders and Devils are back on the ice tonight at 7.30. The Isles will welcome in the Columbus Blue Jackets before the Devils drop the puck in Seattle against the Kraken later on at 10.30. And it is Thursday, which means uh, Week 14 in the NFL is set to get underway with Thursday Night Football tonight. Out in Pittsburgh, the Steelers will welcome in the New England Patriots for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff. Uh, another stellar Thursday Night Football game. Pittsburgh heads in as 6 point. Home favorites. That's Sports Gnome, and uh, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Let's go out to Philadelphia. Alumni, students, donors at the University of Pennsylvania calling for Elizabeth McGill, the president of the school, to resign a day after she testified at this contentious congressional hearing about campus anti Semitism, evading questions about whether students calling for the genocide of Jews violated Penn's code of conduct. If you saw any of this, it was pretty wild. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik uh, questioning uh, McGill uh, during this hearing. She also was questioning the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay. Uh, here's what a little bit of what it sounded like. Do you know what the number one hate crime in America is? I know that over the last couple of months, there has been an alarming rise of anti-Semitism, which I understand is the critical topic that we are here to discuss. That's correct. It is anti-Jewish hate crimes. And Harvard ranks the lowest when it comes to protecting Jewish students. This is why I've called for your resignation. And your testimony today, not being able to answer with moral clarity, speaks volumes. It was interesting yesterday, uh, the president of Harvard putting out a statement to try to be more clear that she was against the genocide of Jews uh, uh, across the world or around the world. Uh, donors at Harvard also, some of them calling for her to step down. That is um, New York Con- 
Congressman Richie Torres says he's never been prouder to be a college dropout. The Bronx Democrat making his comments on social media prompted by what he calls the moral bankruptcy of Harvard and University of Pennsylvania's leadership. Torres is one of many New York leaders who say the schools are failing to crack down on anti-Semitism amid the Israel-Hamas war. Torres says what he lacks in formal education, he makes up for in moral clarity. Hudson Valley Congressman and Republican Mark Molinaro seems to agree with Torres since he reshared the post. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 523. Let's go down to Washington. House Republicans threatening to tell, hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress if he fails to appear for a closed-door deposition next week. The chairman of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee said subpoenas require Hunter to appear for a closed-door deposition on December 13th. The threat comes as the legal counsel for the president's son says Hunter is willing to sit for a public hearing, but not for private questioning, claiming Republicans have mischaracterized private testimonies from witnesses in the past. The House is expected to vote next week to formally open an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. I'm Brian Shook. Senator Ted Cruz accusing the FBI of a cover-up to protect the president's son. You got whistleblowers pointing out that you're not doing the work and you are hiding behind the skirts of the attorney general. Texas Republican talking to the FBI director this week saying he's allowing his agency to be weaponized to protect Hunter Biden. You're simply sitting blithely by while career partisans in your agency allow it to be weaponized. Investigators wanted to execute a search warrant on a storage unit used by Hunter Biden, and instead they tipped off Hunter Biden's lawyer before the search warrant was carried out. GOP continues to press these unverified reports of a corruption involving President Biden regarding his family's business dealings. Meanwhile, the president says uh, tribal nations in the U.S. have gotten record investments under his watch over the last three years. These transformational investments are going to help tribes, but to help all Americans. We know the federal dollars are vital to your communities in order to be able to thrive. The president was speaking at the Tribal Nations Summit in D.C. yesterday. He says his administration doing more for Native Americans than any other president. It requires federal agencies to streamline grant applications, to co-manage federal programs, to eliminate heavy-handed reporting requirements. He says he's working to cut down on red tape and get funding to tribes faster. Down to Texas, where a state court going to hold an emergency hearing today in a lawsuit over the state's near total ban on abortions. A pregnant mother whose health is in danger is suing because she can't find a doctor to perform the procedure. They're facing up to lifetime imprisonment, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, loss of their medical license if they violate any of these abortion bans. That's lawyer Nick Cabot. He is with the Center for Reproductive Rights, which is representing that mom in court. The narrow, narrow medical exception for doctors does not provide any useful language for them. They have no sense of how they can comply with it. That's been a complaint among a number of doctors across Texas. The lawsuit asked the court to allow her doctor to perform an abortion without the threat of prosecution, uh, the loss of their license or civil fines. 526, the rise of AI, artificial intelligence, affecting just about everything these days in the world of healthcare. AI is helping breast cancer screenings be more accurate. There's been a few trials that suggest that maybe they're not having these same issues with as much false positive findings on these screening exams. 
Yeah, so that's good news. Frederick Howard with the University of Chicago. He is taking part in the nation's largest breast cancer symposium this week. It's been dominated by the talk of AI. He says radiologists already use computers in their screening, so adoption of this new technology is totally being embraced. They might be able to help achieve accurate diagnosis without leading to more false positive results, less people to have to be called back for a biopsy for no reason, and also to accurately diagnose risky cancers. Yeah, that's a good thing. The opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed lower yesterday. At the closing bell, the Dow down 70 points. S&P 500 fell 17. NASDAQ dropped 83 points. On the horizon today, we'll be keeping an eye out for the weekly jobless claims. Most analysts expect a slight rise in first-time requests for unemployment benefits, possibly increasing somewhere in the neighborhood of 400,000. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, December 7th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly cloudy today. The high going to be just 41. Tonight, overnight, those clouds they have. Hang around low 36, a little warmer for Friday, sun, clouds, high 49. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 28 and clear in New Square up in Rockland County. 29 and clear down in Pennington, New Jersey. And it is 31 and clear outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour right here in the city. Minimum wage for delivery drivers in New York City has been this red hot button issue for some time but those delivery workers are now going to get their long awaited increase in pay the city implemented a pay bump of to 17.96 per hour for those app delivery drivers for Uber Eats all those different app deliveries that bring the food to your house they now are guaranteed 17.96 per hour uh, after uh, the delivery apps had fought this wage uh, they were celebrating this yesterday we are fighting for the right thing which is for something what we deserve minimum pay uh, for delivery workers, it's now finally a reality. Yes, so it doesn't end up being a lot of money, by the way. It's like $35,000 a year. Uh, the wage will go to $20 by April of next year. But here is the part where you might say these workers are actually missing out on money they should be making. Uber Eats and DoorDash and some of these other app delivery services say their average worker before was making about average, on average, 29 bucks an hour with tips. Um, but now this wage is 1796. And what Uber Eats and DoorDash have now done, normally, if you're not somebody who uses these apps, you might not know this, but you order your food and you put the tip on and then it goes through and your food's brought to you. Now in New York City, if you order food on these apps beginning today, there will not be a tip page on the first page. That tip page will only show up after the food has been delivered, which means a lot of these people will likely miss out on tips. The other thing is one of these app delivery services. Now, what they've done in the past is they'll give their best workers the highest tippers. Uh, so if they finish one gig, they'll be automatically sent to one of the highest tipper. That has gone away. So you wonder, in the end, if these workers are not better off, if they were better off before, 
not necessarily knowing what their hourly wage was, but knowing that the tips were coming in. Well, watch this. This is awfully interesting. So seventeen ninety six an hour now, $20 by April. But those tips now go to a secondary page, which means a lot of people probably won't end up tipping some of these people. A team recovering after being shot while attempting to rob a smoke shop. This is right near our studios, by the way, just a couple blocks away from Bloomingdale's NYPD responding to reports of shots fired. This was about 6 o'clock last night inside the smoke shop near East 61st Street and 3rd Avenue. So this 15-year-old apparently tried to rob this smoke shop, which had become standard. I mean, I feel like I could do this story every single day. Well, the owner of the shop apparently was armed and fired a shot and hit this kid in the leg. Uh, he raced out of the store. Uh, the, some people heard the gunfire. There's a group of men, um, you know, in the corner of the, by the movie theater and bleeding and, you know, screaming for help. And that's when a uh, ambulance or a police car came up. You know, and what's so crazy about this story is these shootings have become so standard that this store clerk uh, used his gun, apparently. This is what we've been told on this kid who tried to rob him. And then he locked up for the night. Before the police arrived. So then the police come and they can't get in the store to do their search and their investigation. They had to break into the store to do their investigation. And then finally the store owners then showed up. Uh, but the fact that they didn't even wait for police, they're like, oh, another day somewhere we're shooting at some kid who's trying to rob us. I really go in there, but um, we haven't had any issues. Smoke shops. That's what's making money. That's who could pay the rent here. Nobody else could pay the rent. Now, you won't be shocked to hear that this smoke shop, which is just a couple blocks away from Bloomingdale's, does not appear to be a licensed marijuana dispensary. So many of these hundreds of them across the city are selling pot, but don't have the license to do so. That might be the case here. The kid who was shot, uh, he's going to be OK. Uh, so far, no arrests have been made. Not clear if the owner of the store who uh, allegedly fired off the shots will be arrested or if the kid who tried to rob the store will be arrested. We'll follow this story. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to the Bronx. A 12-year-old girl slashed in the leg at James Kiernan Middle School in the Bronx yesterday. This attack taking place about 9.30 in the morning. Parents racing to the school when they heard about it. I get a phone call stating not to come to the school because everything was fine. It's uh, DOE protocol, but then yet they won't tell us what's going on. This doesn't look like everything is fine. This me. girl uh, was taken to the hospital. She's in stable condition. Apparently, some fight broke out between two students, and one of them had a knife. Uh, some students heard the commotion. Students were feeling a little sad, you know, because, like, they don't want nothing to happen to them. Yeah, they were crying. And then he told us to go right and get help. So we all went out, and then oh, a lot of teachers came in. Yeah, I saw the fight happen, but I didn't see nobody get stabbed. I saw a, a knife fall down. Yeah, Department of Education says the school was in lockdown for a while as they scanned around to make sure that everybody was okay, that there were no more weapons in the school. Of course, parents racing to this middle school were like, what the hell is going on? People 12 years old bringing knives to class. This kid, they steal babies. It's a middle school. That's crazy. How can someone get inside in school where they're supposed to be safe and do something like that? And it's crazy to think that it was another kid. Yeah, uh, that kid, uh, well, they know who that person is. The girl who was stabbed, uh, thankfully, is going to be okay. And it comes 
Just uh, 24 hours after a stabbing at Edward R. Murrow High in Midwood, a 15-year-old now accused of attempted murder and the stabbing of a classmate inside that Brooklyn High School. It was Tuesday in the hallway there that uh, he was stabbed in the stomach. The kid stabbed in the stomach, thankfully, is going to be okay. The one who did the stabbing turned himself in. And then yesterday... To keep students safe, they started wanding, you know, metal detectors, wanding all the students as they came into class. Edward Almaro has had quite a number of fights, all mostly gang related. Um, and we know that the students have been bringing weapons into the school. OK, so the stabbing takes place on Tuesday. Follow me here for a second. The stabbing takes place on Tuesday. Yesterday, they have essentially metal detectors to look for weapons before they come into the school. And they take in yesterday, more than a dozen knives were recovered from students yesterday during this routine security sweep. They also uh, confiscated seven pepper sprays, two stun guns, a box cutter, and illicit drugs. (laughs) Makes you feel great about sending your kids to high school. Out to Long Island. There are allegations that a Brentwood, Long Island pastor coerced children and descending sexual videos and pictures. Uh, this is really disgusting stuff. Federal prosecutors say Jose Sayez at the Iglesia El Camino Church allegedly used encrypted messaging services to engage in explicit conversations with victims, produce child pornography. They say when Sayez was chatting uh, with an undercover agent was when he was busted, a 28-year-old. Uh, he told this undercover agent that he had abused an infant, that he had a sweet spot for molesting kids be the, between the ages of 11 and 15. He was in court yesterday where um, his lawyer was saying that he has been diagnosed with an aggressive form of multiple sclerosis and asked that he be allowed to be at home as this trial goes on. We would like to have him evaluated on the outside rather than in MDC and get the proper care for his needs and his condition. Now, of course, innocent until proven guilty, but the allegation's incredible here. The judge did grant Sayas a release to home incarceration, no access to the Internet. Well, they're hopeful. But, you know, they are very concerned about his health right now. Family members were there with him in court yesterday. If he is convicted, he'd get 30 years behind bars. Out to New Jersey. Senator Bob Menendez responding to that News 4 New York report about the gold bars that were allegedly used to bribe him that were found in his house. The senator answering reporters about the report. Just a quick answer. The report is factually inaccurate and we look forward to proving it at trial yeah okay so he said it was factually inaccurate but he did not say what was accurate the news report said some of the gold bars found in menendez's home had the same serial numbers of gold bars once owned by a businessman who used the gold bars to bribe menendez senator menendez his wife nadine three other defendants have denied wrongdoing have pled not guilty in court Mayor Adams going to head back to D.C. today, hat in hand, asking the White House for more money to deal with the migrant mess back home. What I've learned in government that what you don't accomplish on one uh, conversation, you have to keep repeating. The goal is to uh, constantly go there, be 
front and center and raise the concerns of how this is impacting our city. Okay, so so far the feds have forked over $160 million to New York to help with the migrant mess, but that's just a total drop in the bucket. The budget-busting migrant problem could cost taxpayers billions of dollars. Adam's trip comes as 65,000 migrants are in the city's care today. Now, we had been told there was some sort of, or they alluded to the fact that there was some sort of official meeting with people at the White House today to talk about this migrant mess. But now we're getting a report that Mayor Adams is actually heading to Washington today for a Christmas party that involves members of the White House. We're trying to get the straight word on this. We will as the morning wears on, but awfully odd. In a moment, we'll tell you what the migrant mess has done to Mayor Adams' poll numbers. But first at 545, Let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Alayden. We'll begin with the uh, big news of the day out of the MLB, more specifically the Bronx, where the Yanks have made their first big splash this offseason by trading for superstar outfielder Juan Soto. The uh, Bombers have also received Trent Grisham from the Padres as part of the seven-player deal. In exchange, San Diego received right-handers Michael King, Johnny Brito, and Randy Vasquez, starting pitching prospect Drew Thorpe, and catcher Kyle Higashioka. This deal had been highly speculated on for several weeks. The two sides had agreed on the players in this deal as early as Tuesday night. But that is, as is usually the case with these blockbuster trades involving a lot of players, the logistics towards the back end of the deal turned out to be rather tedious. Nonetheless, the Bombers had a huge piece to what they hope is ultimately a championship-caliber roster come opening day, as a 25-year-old Soto has really already established himself as one of these era's most gifted hitters. Stick him right in the middle of that lineup. Oh, well, probably towards the top, I would think. We'll see how it shakes out. But uh, it'll definitely more than uh, more than likely go Judge and then Soto, which, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best one-two punches in the league, as long as both of them stay healthy. Time will tell. On the hardwood in Atlanta, the Nets just barely squeezed past the Hawks by a score of 114 to 113 last night. Mikael Bridges' 32-point effort including a step-back jumper with four and a half seconds left. That capped off the, one of the most back-and-forth games we've seen out of Brooklyn all season. There were 43 lead changes, the most since the NBA began tracking play-by-play in 96, along with 11 ties. Bridges' game winner pushed the Brooklyn Nets to their fifth win in six games. In hockey, no local action from last night, but the Islanders and Devils are back on the S tonight at 7.30. The Isles will welcome in the Columbus Blue Jackets before the Devils drop the puck in Seattle against the Kraken later on at 10.30. The Kraken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be endlessly funny for me, that anybody thought that was a good name. Why? Kraken. What a stupid name. You don't think they exist? Oh, my God. You don't think they exist? No, it's just stupid. Oh, okay. I feel like we've had this. I know we have. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just go on. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) It is Thursday, which means week 14 in the NFL is set to get underway with Thursday Night Football. Tonight out in Pittsburgh, the Steelers will welcome in the New England Patriots for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff. Pittsburgh heads in as six-point home favorites. No, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 549. Boy, Eric Adams, the poll numbers, they can't really get any lower. He's getting the lowest approval rating for a New York City mayor since Quinnipiac started polling voters back in 1996. Up until today, Mayor Bloomberg had received the lowest uh, job approval rating back in July of 2003, when he received a 31% job approval rating. That's pollster Mary Snow. Only 28% of voters approve of the job Adams is doing today. That's down from 37% in February. New Yorkers' top concerns, affordable housing, 
crime, followed by immigration, homelessness, inflation. More than 83% of voters in this survey concerned over citywide budget cuts. Another 85% worried that the city will not be able to accommodate the surge of migrants. You know, the sentiment among voters is that they're just not happy. The number of voters saying that they're very dissatisfied is the highest uh, that we have seen. Yeah, not the things that uh, Mayor Adams wants to see. New York voters are on the same page about a number of things, right? 83% say they're very concerned that the citywide budget cuts that the mayor's been talking about are going to affect their daily lives. That's, of course, the 5% across-the-board budget cuts to pay for the migrant mess here in the city. And as the FBI investigates the mayor's 2021 campaign, 22% of these voters, polled by Quinnipiac, think that he did something illegal, while another 30% believe he did something unethical. The MTA... Giving the green light preliminary approval for congestion pricing yesterday, many MTA board members applauded the $15 congestion toll. Uh, That's the toll to go below 60th Street. They want to have start come the springtime. Uh, Here's one of the MTA board members, Neil Zuckerman, who was at that board meeting yesterday. Congestion pricing is necessary for plugging the gap of the building, the repairing, the fixing we must do. Nassau County-appointed Boyd member David Mack thinks it'll have a negative impact. Congestion pricing on small businesses and those outside of Manhattan. $24 to go in and see your son or daughter or to go to see a show or to go to have dinner. I I cannot vote for it. I was listening to Cats and Cosby yesterday, which you should do every day. It's the other 5 o'clock where the 5 a.m. They're the 5 p.m. one. They were talking to somebody connected to Broadway theaters. They're worried that people won't want to put out the extra cash to come into the city once congestion pricing kicks in. It might hurt theater attendance. Uh, Samuel Chu, he's another board member. Um, He likes the idea of slapping drivers with a $15 toll to go south of 60th Street. $15 pales in comparison to the cost of a truck with even one or two employees sitting in traffic for even a half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, so the money going to be used, if you haven't been following this story, to pay for all that's wrong with the MTA subways, fix that, infrastructure projects. Uh, And no surprise here, the board members who were here in the city, mostly in favor of this, the board members from outside the city, like Hudson Valley, think there should be a big discount for drivers using bridges and tunnels. New capital program has nothing for Rockland County. There's no direct rail access from Rockland County to New York. Yeah, in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy there suing to try to stop this. It's not clear if he'll be able to do that. New Yorkers also trying to figure out what traffic will be like once congestion pricing kicks in. More consistent and dedicated funding for public transit and definitely less congestion if you choose to drive. Who's going to suffer with congestion pricing? It's going to be all the small mom and pop businesses. Yeah, well, that's the thought. It is a tax on the working middle class residents of lower Manhattan and the working poor to prop up the MTA. None of us can afford to wait any longer for cleaner air, less congestion, and funding for transit. Yeah, so the MTA board expected to hold public hearings early next year, and then they'll take a final vote on congestion pricing uh, sometime before the spring, which is when they want to roll this all out. New York City recorded its first pediatric flu death of the season. A second child upstate in Erie County has also died of flu. New York City health officials now issuing this new mandate for health care workers. It requires all workers who are not vaccinated for the flu to wear a mask in certain health care settings. Governor Hochul 
says this is all a good reminder just to roll up your sleeve and get a flu shot. The number of flu cases in the state of New York now, now defined as, as prevalent in the state. That's a new category. Flu is prevalent here in New York. Yeah, flu cases up 25% over just a week ago. Hospitalizations are up 30%. Following the uh, the shooting that took place on the campus of the University of Las Vegas at Nevada, the man suspected of killing three people during this mass shooting on campus yesterday. We're being told by a police source at a Las Vegas that it was a professor who failed to secure a job at the school. They actually have gone as far as identifying him. 67-year-old Anthony Polito had apparently unsuccessfully applied to be a professor at UNLV before he unleashed this deadly rampage on the campus. This was about noon yesterday. Apparently, he had a handgun. That's what he used. Uh, then got into a shootout with two police detectives. Thankfully, they took him down. Police found three dead people when they arrived at UNLV's business school. This was about 11.45, so around 3 o'clock our time yesterday. Uh, lots of people weighing in on this. Uh, Governor Joe Lombardo praising the effort of first responders to take down this professor before he killed more students. I had no doubt that the response would be appropriate. It would be swift. It would be quick to the satisfaction of all the naysayers that we normally experience during critical incidents. Now, students hearing the gunfire, as you might guess, freaking out, not knowing what to do. So we were giving our presentations, and then one of the uh, instructors in charge that there's an active shooter and people really didn't know what to respond i didn't know if it was like a drill yeah you don't know whether to get under your desk or run i actually got out i was able to run to the cottage grove parking lot and uh get off campus jessica a student on campus uh heard the gunfire or heard about it as she was sitting in the student we found out cops were on site and we just sheltered in place until we were evacuated and it took about maybe 30 minutes to get us evacuated yeah, so, and parents of students who send their kids to University of Nevada at Las Vegas, you can imagine how on edge they were as this story went national very quickly. This mom had been talking with her daughter, uh, texting back and forth with her, and then finally a phone call as she sheltered in place. This is what uh, students were told to do. They were told to shelter in place, and then if they uh, were confronted by the gunman to fight back. Uh, and, uh, well, the student, you can imagine, totally freaked out. So was the mom. Our greatest fear now. We mm-hmm. can't even send our kids to school without worrying if something like this is going to happen. Yeah, it is outrageous. Uh, by the way, we're seeing a record number of mass shootings again this year, which is unfortunately not a surprise and no longer shocking, which is, well, just awful. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.